and welcome to episode 144 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, you have uh, any news from the June 2018 LSAT that went down yesterday? Just that it went well, I think, for the people that wrote me. Yeah, not a, not as much news as usual. So maybe that's a good sign. It was weird yesterday, huh? It was like yeah. eerily quiet. Um which yeah, I think is basically a good thing. The few reports that I heard were were positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I t- I did today get a couple emails from people who were uh, melting down, but um, the the people who were melting down were just not prepared to begin with. So yeah, um, no big surprise there. I did have to talk somebody down from the ledge this morning about canceling. Oh. Yeah, what were they? What was their reason? Well, to cancel? here, I have purchased and worked through several of your books. I took the June LSAT yesterday, and I'm curious about your opinion on canceling scores. My plan is to start law school in fall of 2019. I'm 22 years old, and I graduated with really, really good grades, 3.97. Wow, legal assistant. I score in the high 150s on the few practice tests I have taken. I know I have the potential to score much higher. I do not think I did poorly on the LSAT. However, I do feel that I could have done much better. Should I cancel my score? One of the attorneys I work for has been putting a lot of pressure on me to cancel my score. My gut tells me to let the score come through and just take it again. However, this attorney thinks I'm making a huge mistake by not canceling my score. He canceled his the first time he took it. Yet he thinks that the score he canceled was actually better than what he really got. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. This particular attorney has a very impressive resume and he graduated from law school a few years ago. I'm inclined to trust him, but I also have friends who have taken the LSAT more than once without canceling and have gotten into some very impressive law schools. Please help all, pa- all caps. And so I responded just, I mean, <laughs> fired up, fired back the immediate, you're getting really bad advice. Do not cancel yeah. Um, this is evergreen advice, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, people need to get in their heads that the highest score is what matters. I say it in class like, I go, law schools only care about your highest score. But law you mean schools- the highest <laughs> Yeah, the highest go, score that comes second, or <laughs> then I go. I, I just always say it, and then I go. Law schools only care about your highest score. <laughs> like I'm an asshole, I know, but I, I just it's hard to beat it into people. I mean, uh, whatever. Well, we've you, sent- you sound like an American trying to speak to someone who is speaking another language. We all like slow down and get louder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't help. <laughs> um, the ABA only cares about your highest score, and US News and World Report only cares about your highest score. So law schools only care about your highest score. I was reading this book, um, well, Law School Confidential. I'm slowly mm-hmm. making my way through, and. Uh, there was a dean of a law school there. Uh, in, it, there was like an interview with some law school 
uh, dean guy, admissions. Uh, he's a professor, but he's also on the admissions committee. And he he mentioned multiple scores. And what he said was, if your score, he's like, if your scores are are markedly different, then we take the higher one. Hmm. Which means they just always take the higher one. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so if they're the same, then we take it doesn't, then it doesn't matter. But if they're different, then we take the higher one. Basically it was just, I don't know why they don't just say we look at the higher one. Yeah. It's like, it's like a holdover from the past or something. They're still, they're still trying to, I think, Oh, it's that word again. Obfuscate. For some reason I can't say it. I should like, there's like a little, like there's some neurons lost in my brain. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to, you know, cloud the way that they do their admissions process. Because the less you know, the more they can deny you without having to explain themselves, right? So it's it's confusing. Hmm. It has there's they look at all the information. Of course, they yeah. look at all the information. But I think, yeah, I th- it could be that. I think um, it's. I think they also just want to make it seem more mysterious. Like mm-hmm. more, they want to make it seem more enticing, and and like a a more complicated process than it actually is, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to tell. They don't. They don't want to make it like, hey, we look at your LSAT and your GPA. Yeah, <laughs> they, they and, wanna, your, and your personal statement to make sure you're not an asshole, a complete asshole, <laughs> or idiot. <laughs> oh boy. Um, have I ever? So sometimes I think people just don't believe. They're sort of like, yeah, but you have two scores on record. They're, I've heard about schools averaging. They're going to see that information. Why? Why wouldn't they average? And have I told you? I mean, of course you know this already. But have I mentioned this on the show about like how stupid it would be to take someone who has a one sixty and a one seventy and thus averages a one sixty five and not accept them? Because someone else has a 168 or something like that. That's wait, what? No. So sorry, <laughs> I said that a little fast. So yeah. let's say someone, let's say you or some dear listener uh-huh. is applying, and they have a 160 on record, and they have a 170 on record, and they apply, uh-huh. and they're all tied up in knots because they're like, "Well, wait, they might average my scores," which no. of course would be a 165. Yeah. Now think about this from the school's perspective: if they averaged your scores, uh, giving them effectively a 165 for you as a candidate. Yeah. And then they compared you to someone who had only taken the test once and gotten a 168 or one even a 167 and they said, "Aha, we're going to accept this 167 over this 165." Yeah. Well, now they've just shot themselves in the foot because really they're giving up a 170er for a 165er or a 160 yeah. I'm sorry, a 167er. And yeah. so it's not in their interest to average even right. though they can't and they have right. all that data it just it would be a stupid way to right. ad- admit people right if if they if they do that then they are dumb and you don't want to go to that school <laughs> for real like yeah. they they would be lowering the prestige of the school for the You're- sake of some <laughs> Like principle, because right. at the end of the day, they're not going to report the 165 or the 160 or anything That's like what that. I'm saying. Right to the ABA, they're just going to report the 170. Right. So 
Yeah. U.S. News. Yep. U.S. News. And on the ABA 509 report, it's right there on the 509. It's the highest score of each member of the incoming class. Mm-hmm. So, right. They would be, if really, they're going to choose the 167 that they get to report and instead of the 170. They're not doing that. If they are, they are, they're dumb. I mean, for real. Like, you don't want to go to a school where the people are that stupid. Mm-hmm. That would be a mistake, a strategic mistake on their part. And so you don't, it's, yeah, it's mutually <laughs> beneficial to like go ahead and yeah. yeah. I mean, not get then, accepted there. Not only that, like the principle. If they really, if they're if they're doing it out of principle, mm-hmm. that's a stupid principle to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. w- no, we don't. No, we want people who just ace it right out of the box. We don't. We don't like it when people try again. No, we don't want persistence. Like what? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's clearly it's not that's not happening. So, anyway, all y'all out there, don't cancel your score, please. You might have done better than you think. Even if not, you know, you need to get a score on record at some point. So, you might as well just you you, you sat for the test. You spent the whole Saturday and $190. Mm-hmm. Um just just go ahead and keep your score. It's fine. And these attorneys out there who are giving advice on law school admissions, oh my God, they just don't know anything. They're, Nobody they're knows a, anything. No, they're in a silo of themselves, right? They're talking from their experience and what they think worked. It, right. And it's, that. It's, it's hilarious that this attorney that we're talking about here is so strongly urging this poor girl to cancel her score even though, because he canceled his score. But yeah. But he it, does think he scored higher on the one he canceled. That is so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's some bad, uh, some bad advice out there. Um, today on the show... <laughs> Speaking we, of agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were supposed to do this teaser at the top of the show. Um we're going to remind everybody that we're having a weekend class in New York City in July. That's going to be July 14th and 15th. And I am super excited. I don't know about you, Ben. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I so don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. Yep. Yeah, I think it's For going to anyone be... anyone who doesn't know me, I want to be there. Sorry. <laughs> It's fine. I'll bring enthusiasm enough for yeah, uh, and I'll just for tell everybody what are we doing? What the hell are we doing here? <laughs> you can go to thinkinglsat.com if you want to sign up for that. Um materials are included. Sooner you sign up, the sooner you can get some materials and a bunch of assignments that you can do before the class. Those assignments are not required by any means, but uh, you will get more out of the class if you get the materials and start doing some stuff before the yeah. class starts. So go mm-hmm. to thinkingelset.com and register now. Um, we have we, a few emails. The price? It's, uh, oh, it's $395. That's right. And the location has yet to be determined, but we'll figure that out as soon as we can. It will definitely be in New York City. Yeah, so. this is going to be New York City. It's going to be subwayable. Um, yeah, subwayable. it's New York. Subwayable. I like yeah. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we... 
have an email about people suing Halo Top. There's a class action lawsuit against Halo Top. We can talk about that. Oh, oh God. People are going to start thinking this is like an ice cream podcast. <laughs> we, have an enthous- uh, we have a very uh, passionate email from one of my L.A. students who is uh, vehemently in favor of doing untimed tests or mm-hmm. at least doing one untimed test. So we can mm-hmm. kick that idea around a little bit, okay. uh, whether that's good or bad. And we have a bunch of other um, emails as well. Yep. We have one more. We're going to talk about a study on how to help yourself with anxiety for a test okay. day. Okay, great. That's that seems uh yeah, seems very useful. Um we have a podcast group on it's a Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook, and there are now five hundred twenty-nine members in that group. This week, they were talking about how they thought our personal statement service was nine dollars and ninety five cents. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, uh, I need to go on Facebook. Apparently, how many people actually thought that? Any, I don't know. Somebody like did. one person, and then someone else said, "Yeah, ha ha." No, there, someone someone did echo it because I guess we had we had mentioned it on the last show, and uh, we said nine ninety five. And when we said nine ninety five, people were like, "Oh wow, that's really nice of them." Oh Boy, wow, yeah, nine dollars and ninety five cents. Wow, that's really great. Um, no, the the service, and you can sign up for this as well on thinkinglsat.com, Not to just be selling stuff too much, but um, it's uh, nine hundred ninety five dollars. And I will work with you to hammer out a theme, and Ben will work with you to uh, make sure that the copy is clean. Is that a yeah. fair description? Yeah, that's a fair description. And of course, we'll be helping each other with both tasks. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To yeah, give you the you, best advice you can get. Yeah. And I guess maybe the 995 comes from the fact that the FOD podcast is free, right? So they're going from free to, and they're saying, wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 995, that sounds like a lot. But keep in mind, this was after reviewing an awful statement that someone had paid over three grand for. <laughs> right, and really, when you look for the good personal statement service packages out there, they're they're in the thousands of dollars. So we feel like it's kind of a deal, and you get both I, of us as opposed to just one. No offense, but lackey at some of these firms. I mean, not everywhere. Some places are great, but anyway. Yeah, this was clearly a like just an employee of one of these big national consultancies. Mm-hmm. And the employee had rubber stamped a very poorly written personal statement. <laughs> it was gross, mm. um, and it—I mean, it just—it was offensive how bad it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, nine hundred ninety-five dollars, and you get me and Ben, uh, each of us, looking at your personal statement, and you'll end up with a professional. Um, a professional document that helps you to put your best foot forward. Yeah. Three minds are better than one. So yeah. Um, we have 18 patrons on Patreon. They are donating $102 every month. You can go to, uh, patreon.com. What is it? Slash thinking LSAT. I hope so. I hope and so. And you can sign up and give us a dollar. You can email the show anytime, uh, help at thinkinglsat.com, and we will uh, we, we respond to every email we get. Um, you can go to strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com if you want to learn about our individual services. Okay. Cool. What's this study? Be excited to take your test. 
Yeah, so here's the bottom line. Um, when people uh, get anxious, right? And uh-huh. um, I'm not going to, I'm going to slaughter these t- medical terms. So I'm not even going to try. But the bottom line is that you get uh, amped up, right? Your heart rate goes up. You are nervous. So um, trying to relax and get calm is. A challenging task for a lot of people, but it's also a challenging task for your body physiologically, apparently. And that's not too surprising. That kind of makes intuitive sense. And so this study was looking at the possibility of instead of trying to counter your anxiety by telling yourself to calm down or to relax or chill out, um, tell yourself that you're excited. You're excited to do this challenging test or you're excited to run this challenging race or you just can't wait for XYZ because excitement um, has the same results physiologically as anxiety, right? Your heart rate goes up, um, you're in, <laughs> you're anticipating it in one way or another, um, but it's a positive emotion that's associated with excitement as opposed to a negative emotion that's associated with anxiety. So people can try to get out of the anxiety mindset sometimes easier if they just try to shift it to an excited mindset. Huh. Um, it's, yeah, I, I love it. It's interesting. I, I have found myself recently lecturing my classes a lot about gratitude and just mm-hmm. trying to feel mm-hmm. happy about trying, you know, like if you're, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. That you should be playing the LSAT. You should, you should be, you should be enjoying on the, especially boy on the logic games and on the logical reasoning. Yeah. It's fun. You know, they're, yeah. they're little puzzles that you get to solve and you're very fortunate to be here. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's the idea, huh? Just, yeah. What are the three words, three words that turn anxiety into success? I don't remember now, but oh. I think it, the, I just, I just remember, I can, I can, I guess I can click on the link right here, but, um, <laughs> I just remember they had like some example. Okay. So here are the example sentences. So I am so excited for this severe threat looming on the horizon. Uh, that's a, a horrible example. I just can't wait to learn how I will <laughs> fail to live up to my own expectations. Well, geez. Okay. Here's another what? one. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> this is this is how the article starts. I lie awake, tight chested at three AM, just really looking forward to what fresh hell that meeting will be about. Okay, so what? <laughs> I don't know about these examples, but um the idea is that you're turning things that you would normally speak about negatively and you speak about them positively. I think it's kind of the idea of, you know how they say to smile. And when you're not happy and you actually start to feel happy, it's that same sort of thing. So we're saying to ourselves, I'm excited to go take this test. Um, that's going to be a challenge. You know, I'm excited for that challenge. I'm excited for the opportunity to learn from it, which actually kind of ties into what you're saying. I think about gratitude. A lot of people say that you can't often control the feelings that come to you, you know, like, People just all of a sudden might start feeling sad or unhappy or anxious or whatever it is. And they don't want to feel those feelings, but they kind of feel like those feelings are a little bit out of their control. They just sort of happened. But um, I think feelings are largely a, f- 
an effect of what thoughts you have. Now, sometimes a lot of thoughts come to us and they just come out of nowhere. You know, you start thinking about how well someone is doing and so then you become jealous of them. But notice what happens. This random thought about their success comes into your head and then having that thought makes you feel a certain way. Well, what these sentences are doing is they're changing what you think, right? You're consciously deciding to think, oh, I'm going to think about this challenge or this this looming test in a positive way. Just like when you're thinking about gratitude, you're saying, you know what, instead of looking at life as a glass half empty, I'm going to start looking at it as half full. Yeah. It's the same fucking glass. Yeah. <laughs> but like people, you know, you meet different people and some people are looking at the fact that it's empty and that someone right next to them is looking at how they're full and they both walk yeah. away with totally different feelings about the situation. And honestly, the person who feels like it's half full is much more likely to keep moving forward with life and be successful as opposed to, you know, look at all the yeah. progress I have yet to make as opposed to look at all the progress I've made. So I had anyway. a girl in my uh the the top student in my recent LA class and uh, that just ended and she told me that she she hadn't improved off of her you know 168 or whatever mm-hmm. she was she was frustrated with her lack of improvement from her fine score you know not quite where she wanted it but sure. <laughs> she pretty damn good you know and like yeah. 10 points higher than anybody else in the class basically and yeah she, That's like ninety six or ninety seven percentile, right? Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly the number, but it was it was good. It was yeah. it was pretty strong. And she told me that she she said she she said I'm a garbage person. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. You, I am so sorry. <laughs> you are feeling that way. Yeah. Um. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that right there in a nutshell could very likely be why you're not making any progress. Mm-hmm. You're just judging yourself and feeling terribly about everything. Mm. Yeah. In, instead of being grateful for where you're at. I mean, I don't know. No, I, I think I, here's, a, here's the one thing that does come up a lot is a lot of times people get the same score or something on a test and they get the same number of questions wrong or something. Um, and then they're bummed about that. And it goes along with your gratitude thing, but it's like, I always tell them, I'm like, be grateful. It's a little strange, but be grateful for the questions you got wrong. They're going to teach you something. Yeah. And if you can be grateful for them, then you will go learn something from them. If you're not, if you are frustrated that you got them wrong and you're just walking away from the test and wallowing in your own misery, then you're never going to learn anything from them and it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah, you. I mean, you should be each one of those mistakes. Oh, good. We made a mistake. Great. Yep. Good. We get to sort that out now, mm-hmm. and we get to learn something. Yeah. Um. Huh. Okay. Well, so this is a story from the Atlantic. Um. I guess we will uh, link to that on thinkingelsa.com. Yeah. Cool. Next. Uh, next item. Yeah. It says, call me Mitt or something cool like James Bond. Is James Bond cool? Um, questionable. I, I think James Bond used to be cool. I think so. I feel like 
Bourne. I mean, Bourne's a little dated, but I feel like Bourne is cooler than James Bond. <laughs> well, the new, the new, you know, Daniel Craig James Bond. He's who, pretty cool. He gets the shit kicked out of him all the time. <laughs> he's <laughs> well, he's, he's cool because he's Daniel Craig, but yeah, <laughs> he's a hardcore James Bond. Yeah, um, but, yeah. The old ones were definitely like ladies' man and walking around everywhere. Yeah, the old days, the cheesy Sean Connery James <laughs> Bond, I think, was pretty cool. <laughs> I liked. I always liked that. Um, okay. Anyway, Ben used to have good taste in music. Rush. I guess that means I don't have good taste anymore. I know that's a bit of an insult. It seems like, like he's old, Ben's be old now. <laughs> What do you listen to now, Ben? I don't know. It's, I actually don't really have a good defense of this. I might have to just accept that it's true. Oh, no. Um, You're just only listening to books. You're just continuously yeah, bettering yourself. Yeah, I, I don't listen to a whole lot of music except for what's on the radio sometimes because I'm just too lazy to start Audible. What should I listen to, Nathan? Tell me and I'll fix um, it. You should listen to rap, hip-hop. Rap, you should okay. listen to Kanye and Eminem and... Um, Oh wait, so hold on. Kendrick Lamar. Wait, hold on. These that's too many names at once. I'm gonna be overwhelmed. Can you just give me one? Kanye West. Okay. Um You probably I did listen to a hip hop classic, classic hip hop station on iTunes the other day. Sweet. What did it have? Like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg? It did have Dr. Dre. Some a lot of these people I don't recognize, but some of the songs I do do sound familiar. But um, I don't know any of the people. There's one, um, shoot. There's a few songs I like. There's a bunch that I didn't like. But, hey, you know, it's a start. Yeah, that's, I like that. That's good. Maybe mm-hmm. in, uh, maybe New York City will be able to find, maybe, maybe we'll go see Jay-Z. Jay-Z, okay, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know, there was a guy in my class, sorry, t- random tangent, but he um, played backup. Guitar, I think, or trumpet. Like I don't know. I can't remember what instrument it was now for Jay Z. And so he would go to concerts and play a lot of times, and he wouldn't make it to class. I was kind of wow. like, what, "What are you doing? <laughs> Keep doing wow. that." Yeah, that is incredible. Do that, dude. Keep yeah, doing that. <laughs> you should have kicked him out of LSAT class. I should have said, "Don't come back." Yeah. Um, wow, that's awesome. Okay, it says, Ben used to have good taste in music. Nate is not very fond of racist people. Uh, uh, Again, I think that's an insult on you, Ben. I know. (laughs) This is just not going well. (laughs) Why why didn't you include me in that sentence? Am I I fond of them? I am in the minority of people who have written explanations for every question on an LSAT. In my defense, it was only three tests, and it helped me quite a bit! Exclamation point. It really helped my RC score to write explanations for every question. It burned into my brain that every answer is in the text. I also learned that LSAC only allows access to the disclosure book for six months. So when I logged back in to print the September 2017 test that I already took, it was unavailable. I had to grudgingly pay LSAC again for a test I already took because my old hard drive crashed. 
I would rather have literally, not figuratively, burned that $10 along with my old Kaplan book. That's fucked up. Why do they do that? I don't know. That's interesting. Okay, well, That's, PSA, your test yeah, will be unavailable okay. after six months. Yeah, as soon as your test comes out, go ahead and just print that thing. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel it's a little lame that his hard drive crashed, though. Come on. Everything needs to be in the cloud these days. Ooh, good point. Yeah, why are you not saving all your files on Dropbox? Mm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I noticed you guys posted a helpful thinking else at timer. Would you guys consider making one for us accommodated test takers? I would really appreciate it. There is only one accommodated LSAT timer on YouTube. It is not entirely reliable to use YouTube. My internet cuts out occasionally and it messes with the timer. James Bond. This is low tech James Bond. <laughs> this, is, this is James Bond before <laughs> James Bond, like on dial up. James, where are you? Where's Q? Q needs to come in and hook up James Bond with some new, some new technology. Damn. Get a new laptop, get Dropbox, <laughs> get a better internet connection. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, man. Um, oh, and now okay. I remember, this is why I put it at the top of the show, because we've already recorded one, and so it'll be coming out soon. Shit, yeah, we have. There's going to be a 53-minute timer, and there's going to be a 70-minute timer. Mm-hmm. But do you know what I was thinking about yesterday? Mm. We should just only make a 70-minute timer. Okay. And then if you listen to it on one and a half speed, that'll be 53 minutes. And if you listen to it on double speed, it'll be 35. Oh, mind blown. Let's That's the type of shit I think about. Yeah, we have to test it out, see if the, the double time is actually double time. I'm yeah. assuming it is, but... I would have no reason to doubt that it's double time. But maybe by double time, they just mean like twice as fast. <laughs> Which would be double time, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's like some conventional way of like speeding things up, and it's not actually twice as fast. But um, cool. But stay tuned. There's going to be uh, there. There are going to be um, timers. Now that that was a pretty cool thought, but we should combine that with your other thoughts and theories about <laughs> how you wanted whales in the background or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was mocking the other. So there's this LSAT timer apps that are out there that like you. Uh, they'll put distraction noises yeah, in yeah. for you. People come in or they cough, and it's just like over the top. Yeah. Chaos. So uh, right, which is just ridiculous because if you're taking the, I mean, I don't know what kind of isolated sound booth you're taking the test in where there's no no distractions at all. Yeah. You call those just go to Starbucks or, I mean, there's normal noise around everywhere, right? When you're taking your test. So I don't know that you need simulated test noise <laughs> sounds, but, um, yeah, I did want to put in ours to have the option to turn on noises and have the, have it be like, yeah, whale, whale sounds or just something completely ridiculous in the background. Sperm whale communicating with their their children, their offspring. Yeah, just like mariachi music or, <laughs> you know, like just <laughs> a bomb, like a bomb going off, <laughs> gunfire. No, no. You know. Sorry. An explosion. Oh, yeah. Off. An explosion went off. That's right. Um, okay, so those are, those are coming. I did also super condescendingly, one of my students in San Francisco in the new class was asking me, 
I, I, I was mentioning the timer and I was like, Hey, we made this nice thing for you. Mm-hmm. And then the student was like very, I could kind of irritated a little bit that I didn't give the episode number. Mm. Okay. Like, what episode is that? And I was like, I don't, I have, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's on the feed. I don't know. It's on the feed. It's on the website. What do you want me to do? I, I come on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway. Well, here, it actually doesn't have an episode number, but we can pull an LSAT and say it's 139.5. We're just going to like one. the... Because you know that sometimes, people, I don't know if you... Has anyone ever done this? They've referred to the June LSAT as 51.2 or 51.5. What? Yeah, because the June LSAT comes between tests 51 and 52, so sometimes... Oh, June 2007, you mean? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't know what I said, but um, the June 2007 LSAT comes between tests 51 and 52, so sometimes people call it 51.5. The thinking LSAT timer, which is... Um, it's episode cool. 139.5. It's 139.5. Mm-hmm. For now, but there's going to be other ones, including five section and including accommodated. So there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff just appearing in the feed. Don't panic. It's just some LSAT timers that you can use or not use. That's right. And don't feel obligated to listen to them. Just be excited <laughs> to go find them. <laughs> yeah. We, we got multiple emails about this uh, lawsuit that's happening okay. where people are suing Halotop. You want to read this? Sure. Apparently this was sent from someone who subscribes to, quote, class action tracker. Halo Top ice cream. That's pretty interesting. Um, that sounds like a like an email subscription. Anyways, a class action lawsuit was filed against Eden Creamery. Eden for failing to adequately disclose that due to its fat and calorie content, Halo Top ice cream is a light ice cream. It's in quotes. Plaintiffs also allege that the ice cream is marketed as, quote, all natural and containing, quote, no artificial sweeteners when, according to the plaintiffs, the product contains artificial and synthetic ingredients. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that the phrase all natural means pretty much nothing in today's marketing world. So I don't know if that's actually a valid claim. I'd be surprised. Um, no artificial sweeteners. I mean, synthetic ingredients does sound suspicious, but I guess if you can find it, I don't know. Anyways, um, this just, this is interesting. What do you think? Um, someone suggested that I, Oh, you joined the lawsuit, right? Yeah. mm -hmm, That, that because they're, I guess they don't have a plaintiff yet in California. There's not one and, soul in that godforsaken state. No, because everybody in California is so basic that they fucking like Halo, Halo Top. <laughs> basic bitches of California. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh huh. I had the most basic bitch morning. I, by the way, today I went up. I, I hiked up to the observatory, and then on the way down, I went to this place called Stamp Proper Foods, and it's like a very healthy place. And I had a salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a vegan, <laughs> gluten-free vegan salad. Uh, for Whoa. breakfast at okay. nine thirty for like twenty dollars or something. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool. Man. That's that's Los Angeles. Welcome to Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, but I do not eat Halo Top because Halo Top is a lie, and 
anyway, someone was suggesting that I join this um, lawsuit as a, one of the plaintiffs. What, what do they call that in a class action? The the mo- lead lead plaintiff or something like that. Hmm. Oh, class representative. Class representative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds and like a good drain on your time. I was like, I would not literally, but pretty close, rather kill myself than do that. Um, if I have to ever sit in a deposition, boy, is that the worst. That is just the worst. There's nothing worse than that. Nathan, you just need to change the way you talk about it. Oh, I need to just be optimistic about it? Yeah, you just need to say, I'm so excited to go into this grueling deposition that will completely destroy my life. I'm so excited to just get kicked in the nuts and ask the same fucking question (laughs) for four hours in a row like I'm going to change my answer. I wonder if you could have fun with it because you actually don't care about the outcome. You know, like someone who's getting deposed for something that's personal to them and they actually care about, like it can be stressful and embarrassing and all these things, but maybe you could have a lot of fun with it. You could be like, I don't know if I Mm. really did eat that whole thing of ice cream. I I was deposed one time and it was the worst. It was absolutely the worst, like three or four hours of my life. I was just staring at this attorney. Yeah. And he just kept asking me the same I'm not even shitting you. The same question. He hmm. asked me the same question 15 times. That's weird. And I'm just looking at, I'm like staring right in his face, looking at him saying the same answer again. And it's like, are, is this, what are we doing? Yeah. I or said you have 12 to be kidding kilos me. of marijuana. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Do they do depositions in criminal trials? I don't think they do. Uh, yeah, I, I boy, is it so miserable? And I was just, I was, I also was looking out the window, and it was sunny. It was like a beautiful day outside, and I was just looking at the two attorneys in the room, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck you guys so much! You are going to do this every day for the rest of your life, and I am going to go outside and play after this is over. I'm, I am going." Out. I'm going to go out to the park. I'm going to drink a beer. I'm going to have a normal life and be a human being. And you're just going to be in here doing this. This is what you do. Oh my God. <laughs> just so awful. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm not an attorney. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Should we move on? Sure. This is from Jessica. Hi, Nathan and Ben. Love the podcast. Oh, by the way, I think this is that email. I love this email. Okay. It's so well written. Everybody take note. Wow. Hi, Nathan and Ben, comma. Love the podcast. I just heard today's episode wherein you mentioned that people need to suck it up and plan on taking the July LSAT, even if they may not need it after getting a grade score on the June exam. In looking at the LSAC website, LSAC says that people can withdraw from the July exam and get a full refund after getting their June score. Similarly, people who take the July exam can withdraw from the September exam after seeing their July score. I'm attaching a screenshot of the page where the policy is spelled out. That means people should definitely register for the July test at a bare minimum, if not both July and September, because you can in fact get that money back. It's virtually risk-free. Hope this helps get the word out. Thanks for the great podcast. Keep up the good work. Best, Jessica. Um... I like it because it's clear, it's easy to follow, it's got transition words like similarly. 
Um, it has transitioned phrases like in looking at the LSAC website, she sets out everything we need to know to get caught up on what she's going to talk about, says what we need to know, draws the bottom line for us so we don't have to think about it. I don't know. She also uses, this is a rare one. Um, it says, LSAC says that. Most people cut, so a lot of people in, inject too many that's into their mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, not good. And then people learn that they can cut, they can cut out the word that. And so then they start cutting all of them. But it turns out that for clarity, you need some in there. And one common that that we need comes after the phrase says or argues or claims um, or believes. And so she included it. And I liked that. She included it. <laughs> I I like that she has many short sentences yep. in here. Yep. She has a couple and fragments, but she can break the rules because she keeps all the others. Yeah, right. Starting off, love the podcast, which is not a sentence. Mm-mm. Um, well, I guess it's an implied subject. That's, I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, it's basically a fragment. Mm-hmm. But you can do that when you are a good writer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it is it is nice. Um, as far as the actual advice that comes out of this, um, mm-hmm. th- this episode won't come out until after the registration deadline has passed for the July test. Yeah. Uh, but you are going to be able to, if you're registered for July and you take the test in July, you are going to be able to register for September and. If you are happy with your July score and decide you don't want to take September, you can withdraw and get a full refund. Yep. Of course, you can always withdraw, but in this case, they're actually going to give a full refund, um, which is nice. We were yelling, we were complaining that they weren't doing that, and they decided to do it. Yeah. So maybe somebody inside the fortress, the LSAC fortress, is listening to us. So you think it was correlation or causation? I think definitely we should take 100% credit. Yeah. I think it's a fully causal. I don't think there is. Do you think anyone is. has ever listened to our podcast inside the LSAC Fortress? Uh, Do you think we've penetrated the, the walls? The sanctum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So part of my problem with the sanctum is I don't know how big the sanctum is. I get the sense that it's very small. I, I don't feel like there are very many actors within the sanctum. Yet, um, they do a lot of stuff. So there's got to be people somewhere. I just don't know how many of them are contractors. I feel like there's just a few players that always interact with the outside world. So it makes me think that there are not many players inside this holy sanctuary. Yeah. It could be running a fairly tight ship over there. At yeah, least as far as in, head count in a very bloated is. way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what they don't have. They don't have a big editorial staff on uh, those emails that no. they send out. Which is probably why it's a small group of, you know, <laughs> yeah, hey, Joey, you got to write that email today. Okay, I'll send it out. Yeah. Make sure we don't just, get sued, you dumbass. <laughs> make sure you just go ahead and send it out without reading it over once. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get back to... Putting, no, I still remember when I first started this whole thing, you know, I, um, this was before, this is going to sound bizarre, but this was before Amazon sold all of LSAT materials through its website, or at least the vast majority. 
So I had to order some books from LSAC directly, and I did. And I they came in a large box. It was probably like two feet by two feet by two feet. I mean, a huge box. And in that box, I had ordered something like six, you know, books that were – this was back – when we didn't have the green and blue book. So it was test 29 to 38, uh-huh. book of 10. And so this, imagine a box that's two by two by two. That's, it's a huge box. It's like the size for, I don't know, a small, uh, like, no, like a medium sized printer. Anyways, uh-huh. with styrofoam all around it. But anyways, inside this box were these 10 or six uh, books of, from 29 to 38. And it's like, they were all destroyed. And I, I seriously, I just got the sense that, Whoever you know was the one coordinating the royalties was also the person who was throwing books into boxes to get them shipped out. <laughs> Anyways, so I was like, "Thanks a lot," and then I figured out that I could get some of those through Amazon. So that's what I started doing. But yeah, I've always had that impression that uh, the person who's the receptionist is also you know doing everything else, website maintenance and email updating and all that stuff. So it makes me wonder what the hell they're doing with all the money they charge people. Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> going to like Hawaii, like did you say that they did that, or is that yeah, that, was something else? that that was yeah, that was an admissions person who told me that the LSAC would take them on on these like lavish trips. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that could be one thing they're spending the money on. I mean, it's so much money. It's a lot of money. They yeah. they they get so they they make so much money. It's outrageous. I it's on my calendar. I have to calculate my um license fee mm-hmm. for the year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I last year I wrote them a check for like 40 something thousand dollars and this year I'm sure it's going to be more. And yeah. like Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? No, I always blow the class away when I say I spend uh, about as much or more on royalties than I than we do on uh, rent in DC. In the middle of DC's like, you know, high end. We're on. We're one block away from K Street, which is like all the lobbying firms, you know, in America. Yeah. <laughs> they pay top ass dollar for those spots, and we're like a block away. So and you pay yeah more than that for for, for royalties. Your- for your LSAC royalty every to year. To Newton, Pennsylvania. But and we're just mm-hmm. tiny we're small potatoes, you know? We're yeah. we're nobody compared to like how much Kaplan must be paying them every year. Kaplan must be paying them like millions. Yeah. <laughs> Can't imagine. <laughs> outrageous. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And they're not even it's royalties. So you keep in mind LSAC is not doing any work for that. They're not printing, they're not doing anything. They're just saying, okay. Please tell us how many copies you made and send us a dollar amount based on that. If there is someone listening, by the way, in the sanctum, uh, please enlighten us. What's your day-to-day job like? Is it like the office, the show, or is it, <laughs> or is it worse? <laughs> we would love to know. That would be cool. You want to dig into this uh, untimed test thing? Sure. Okay. So this is a... Uh, a student of mine, uh, again, from my LA class and, uh, we had a couple drinks and she was arguing with me about the, the value of doing untimed tests. And then she got home and sent me this email like at midnight and it, <laughs> because she's like a lawyer, you know? Yeah. And 
it says, um, I have recapped my argument below for your future analysis slash to prove that I am right. <laughs> A brief argument for untimed scores. Top line, academic buoyancy, perceived control, and test competence with a footnote to a, some study. Three studies. I have not, yeah. Oh, that's, that's one footnote for all three studies. I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Issue. Low perception of competence inhibits confidence in one's own ability to succeed. Timed tests are anxiety inducing, which leads to a lower score, which leads to self doubt, which leads to a higher probability of giving up. Hypothesis, having one untimed score data point allows students to familiarize oneself with the content of the test absent of time constraints, leading to academic buoyancy, leading to a higher score representing one's objective comprehension and ability, which is test competence, which leads to higher confidence and drive, um, that is perceived control, uh, which leads to basically just being less apt to give up. What do you think, Ben? Are you going to do it? Do you do it now? I don't do it now, although I think we both do it to some degree with questions that have been pulled out of timed sections. Right, like we're saying, oh, don't time yourself. Just do these questions and learn from them. Yeah, when um, you do my books, I don't, you know... My Logical Reasoning Encyclopedia or the Logic Games Playbook, um, both of them available on Amazon, by the way. Um, when you do those books, I don't, I definitely don't want you timing yourself. Mm -hmm. I guess she's saying, though, that if you actually do a real test and do it untimed, then you will, you know, of course you're going to do better without the time constraint. And then you start to have a higher estimation of your own ability mm -hmm. and then not give up. Yeah. Okay, so sometimes we have people who write in who took a test untimed and they say, hey, look, I got a 166, but I just can't do this timed. Please help. Uh, I think there could be some value there in changing the way they see themselves, seeing themselves as someone who has the potential to at least get these questions right if given extra time. And therefore, they can separate um, sort of the questions that they're getting wrong because they don't understand it versus questions that they're getting wrong because they don't can't do it fast enough. I mean, time is an essential, essential element of this, which is why we keep telling people to do these sections timed and to learn to ignore the time. But I think if they do that 90% of the time and 10% of the time or 5% of the time, they take a test untimed just to see how well they can get. Cause you can also have the flip side of this. And that is that some people say, Oh, it's, you know, well, not only can you have the flip side of this, you, we have the flip side of this all the time. If only I had more time, I could do so well. And it's like, okay, take this test untimed and see how well you do. And it's like, Hmm, you didn't get a 180. Maybe there's some things you need to learn. Cause even when you have all the time in the world, you're not getting the right answer. You're not choosing the right answer. You think this other answer is correct. So there's something that logically you don't understand. It's not just about the time. And that's something that needs to get into people's heads as well. So maybe this is a good solution to that. Take an untimed yeah. test. Don't do it very often, but take one and see how high you can get so you can feel better about yourself, get a higher score, but at the same time realize that you're not perfect. And so you still have a lot of shit to learn. 
because you had all the time in the world. You could have sat there all fucking day, and you still got a 164. Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, but my concern is that people will only do untimed tests and that they will then, because we just hear all the time. Yeah. You know, I've been studying for the LSAT for three months and now I'm going to start taking time tests. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm worried that if you do a lot of untimed practice, you're going to be learning skills that just aren't going to actually work during the time. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you'll, oh yeah, I can figure them out on the logic games. That's great. I mean, that that is really yeah. good. Like you test every answer choice or something like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm worried that people are going to, they're not going to have the like confronted with, okay, here's what the actual time feels like, which then, you know, hey, you're going to, yeah, you're going to need to come up with some different ideas about how you do these games. Like brute forcing it and testing every answer choice is not going to get it done. Mm-hmm within the time constraints. I'm also concerned that people will like flip out when they do time themselves, you know, people who don't do timed practice then freak out on the day of the test. It's like, and then they race the clock when they, when they do have a timer. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, make no mistake. (laughs) The LSAT is a time test. There will be a proctor there running a timer. Yeah. And if you're people, it's like they stick their head in the sand they refuse to do that. Mm-hmm. And then shocker when it actually happens, then they freak out. So one of the reasons why I emphasize timed sections so much, and I just do it in my class constantly is that I want to try to desensitize people to that. What if we gave people a rule? No more than no more. And okay. If fewer than one untimed test for every five timed test. Yeah. Stuck I would to that. say Less than that, but yeah, I, I get your point. Mm-hmm. One per ten or something like one at first, and then, but then you got to start timing yourself. I think mm, I, I for the first one, I'd kind of like them to do it timed. Like I think it's better to throw them in the deep end and then pull back than to be like she's she's saying the opposite of that. I mean, my from my the very beginning, beginning, yeah, because. <laughs> Which is another word for beginning. <laughs> well, what she's saying is if you, and I, I mean, I do see this all the time. I, I had a student in class uh, in San Francisco this last weekend who was, yeah, I mean, I could tell that she, she was like a, she's like a medical professional. Okay. She's like a nurse or something. She studied sciences in mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and she just completely ate shit on the test mm-hmm. on the LSAT. It was her first one. She hadn't had any prep at all. And I think she just freaked out. I think she just lost her mind. Yeah. And scored 130 something. And, you know, it, it would, I, I get it that it would be a shame if that's because of that you, you know, you start to, well, hey, you have anxiety, you start to doubt yourself, and you give up. I mean, that, that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> my counter argument even to that is I kind of want people to give up. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's law is not the right play for, Half of the people who I see, you know, it's just you, most, there's so many people that shouldn't be on this road. Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, and I'm sorry, like I get at people accuse me of just of like being an asshole, but I'm, I'm just trying to be realistic. I, I just don't, many, many people, I mean, 
for sure half of the people who sign up for a typical LSAT class are just not going to be lawyers. Mm-hmm. So if, if it is going to cause you this anxiety and you're going to freak out and you're going to give up, um, maybe that wasn't the right avenue to begin with. Yeah. I don't know. Am I an asshole, Ben? Uh, you know, let's, let's go into the next email. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. <clears throat> um, okay. So that's an interesting, I, I, I would like to hear from people. I mean, email the show help at thinking Tell us your thoughts on, uh, untimed tests, whether yeah. they're good or bad. Yeah. But you know, the real, the real deal is going to have a timer on it. Uh, for the record, I would say that, uh, you, you, you're not an asshole, at least in this regard. You're helping people. I think that's good. <laughs> I think it's an, I, I think it's an asshole to lie, right, and make yeah. people go down a path that's ultimately going to cost them thousands of dollars and buttloads of debt, so yeah. they can become a glorified barista. Yeah, I I can't take people's money and feed them into this meat grinder. You know, I. I feel like it's my responsibility to say, hey, let's be let's be honest here that most people who go to law school don't end up practicing law. Yeah. <laughs> so well, do we have the numbers on that who, actually? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, I, I just anecdotally, but you know, if you take like an average law school like Hastings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I it's got to be like roughly fifty percent or something. Um, yeah, I mean their bar passage rate's not even fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you know, and hey, maybe they'll retake it and end up practicing. I mean, but people fail the bar. People, people, people give up before you know they they graduate and don't even take the bar, or they take the bar and fail, mm-hmm. or they pass the bar and get a job, or you know can't get a job. That's very mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. Or they pass the bar, get a job. And hate it, and quit, mm-hmm. and do something else. Yeah, super, super common. Super, super common. What's up with uh, Arizona Summit going out of business? What is that a law school? Yeah, the, the that was news this week. Um, ABA actually took accreditations away from a law school. Ooh, the ABA has teeth. Yeah. Um, baby teeth. I guess I might as well look this up now. Uh, I, I just read a couple of headlines about it, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arizona summit loses accreditation approval, which may be a first for an operating law school. It's an affinity law school, a for-profit school, which I don't care about. I don't think there's any difference between nonprofit and for-profit schools. Okay. Unless am I wrong about that? I, what, what difference does it make? It costs the same amount of money. The money's going somewhere. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe nonprofit are under more oversight? I don't I don't know. It's just I don't think that they're benevolent because they are technically a nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If they're charging you fifty thousand dollars, they're charging you fifty thousand dollars. I don't know how what what difference it makes mm-hmm. what their corporate structure is but anyway they were placed on probation in march of 2017 was this a school that was complaining about that because that threatened the viability of their or their marketability <laughs> oh Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. yeah i don't know uh, apparently they 
according to the ABA, did not comply. I mean, according to the law school's 509 report for 2017, its median LSAT score is 148, and its median undergraduate GPA is 2.81. Yikes. Arizona Summit's bar passage rate for July 2017 was 20%, and its February 2018 pass rate was 19.8%. Yikes. Full-time tuition at the law school is $45,000. Holy cow. So you can pay forty-five grand to not pass the bar. <laughs> to have a one in five chance of passing the bar. That's awful. Um, again, not because they do a bad job of, uh, of educating you. I'm sure they probably try their hardest. Um, but when you have a 148 LSAT score and an undergraduate GPA of 2.8, you are a long shot to pass the bar exam. Yep. No, they're... they're sin or crime or whatever you want to call it took place the second they said yes please come to our school for $45,000 and we have no problem with that fraud might be a word yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean they right so so here the ABA now I mean finally is saying sorry y'all are not it's funny because what is the point of accreditation if you're never going to take accreditation away? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like people are going to pat the ABA on the back here for, for, for protecting consumers. But what about all of the other shady law schools out there that the ABA continues to rubber stamp? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, some could argue that they prevent schools from ever forming and coming into being that would be nefarious and fraudulent but yeah i don't think the evidence suggests that they've done enough at all they might have kept some out but they need to keep a lot more out it's hard to yeah i mean it's it's hard to it seems like a hard decision uh students just need to be more realistic i mean that you just you need to look at the 509 and you need to look at the you need to figure out the outcomes the likely outcomes and uh yeah when you if you think you're going to go to law school with a 2.8 and a 148, hey, some people will become successful. Far more will fail. Yep. So, you know, if uh, if you can get a full ride with your 2.8 and your 148, then more power to you. But if you're going to pay $45,000 a year <laughs> with those numbers, um, that just seems like a potential disaster. A likely disaster. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where were we? I don't know. This this argument for untimed sections. Oh, yeah. Okay. Email us and let us know what you think about the uh, untimed sections. I don't know how the hell the disaccreditation came up. One more email? Yep. Uh, this is from E, as in the letter. GPA addendum. Coming to college from a... Oh, wait. Okay. So E apparently wants us to read this addendum and then comment on it, I guess. Yeah, I, which we apparently are doing. I don't know. Okay, I didn't know we. I didn't know we did that, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, for addendum reviews, that's going to be nine ninety five, <laughs> as in nine dollars and ninety five. <laughs> All right. So this is what her GPA addendum says. Thank you, E. Coming to college from a different country, adjusting to the new environment and learning of my mother's diagnosis with breast cancer in the fall of 2015, 
caused a setback in my academic performance. Uh, okay. All right. So um, this isn't we'll, – let's keep reading. We can come back to it. But I would okay. say that's a really heavy sentence mm. in, aside from the content. I have so many complaints. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Let's get through the whole thing. How about that? We'll get through the whole thing and then we'll yeah. then we'll rip it up. Okay. Yeah. We'll see if we can do that. <laughs> yeah. Challenge for us. I'm going to make disappointed noises in the background, but you can go ahead. And okay. I'll keep reading. I'll try to ignore them. So she says, coming to college from a different country, adjusting to the new environment, and learning of my mother's diagnosis with breast cancer in the fall of 2015 caused a setback in my academic performance. As a result, my grades from fall of 2013 to fall of 2015 are not indicative of my abilities. In the spring of 2016, despite my mother's passing while I was away on a study abroad trip in Italy, through hard work and dedication, I completed the semester with good grades. In the spring of 2017, I earned a 3.7 GPA while taking upper-level classes, which demonstrates my academic potential. I have developed intellectually in the past four years, and I hope I can be afforded the opportunity to prove that I am tenacious, hardworking, and prepared for any challenge that law school will bring. Mm-hmm. All right. So what would you say the core argument here is? Bottom line, the most fundamental point? I got bad grades and I want you to ignore them because of too many reasons. Yeah. Or like yeah. what your the thrust of your argument, I mean, is it your mom's breast cancer? Yep. You undermine your own argument there by talking about your study abroad trip to Italy, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I mean, why are you stu- like, what? You're studying, you're going to talk about your mom dying of breast cancer and also mention that you were studying abroad in Italy at the time. I mean, that, that is not the case you want to make. Mm. It must have been very difficult. We're not of saying. Of course, yeah. I'm not belittling yeah. the actual. Please don't get me wrong. I am not belittling the actual drama here. I believe you, but you are not putting your best foot forward when you say that. You're just your reader naturally is going to be like, "Oh, wow, you must have really been shaken up while you were gallivanting around Europe." Yeah. That's that's it creates have, a total different image. It's like, oh wow, these are tough. You come from a different country. You have to learn this new environment. Wait, you're studying abroad in Italy? Wow, you have a privilege or an opportunity that most right. people don't you have. Look, right, totally, totally. You you just boy, you got to leave that part out of that. Yeah, holy shit. You're what? What is it? Are you bragging about your trip to Italy, or are you complaining about your mom dying of? Breast cancer, and which it's, took place after that the doesn't make sense either. Grades. I mean, I understand that the, your mother's diagnosis with breast cancer was in the fall of 2015, but your grades are bad from the fall of 2013 to the fall of 2015. Yeah. It says, yeah. So that's not really the cause, unless it had some sort of backward time loop cause effect. You, you need to pick a thing. You need to pick a thing here. And, you know, it's, it's vague with coming to college from a different country. You can go ahead and say where you came from. Yep. If you're going to do that, be specific, please. Was that your challenge? Was it that you were new to this country? If so, yeah. let's just talk about that. 
And then adjusting to the new environment, you know, everybody went to college. Everybody had to adjust to a new environment when they went to college. That's part of college. Yep. So I don't know that that's that strong of a case anyway. I, I agree. I don't think that there is a strong case here. And therefore, despite the challenges, I'm not saying you didn't go through challenges, but um, the timing is just not great. And so what I would say is that I would just say uh, coming to college from whatever country, X country, made it challenging for me. And so I didn't do as well. Don't don't say that you did really badly. Say you didn't do so well. And then... But I did better once I started to figure out how, because your, your grades went up. That's, you don't really need much of an explanation. I don't know that this GPA addendum is that necessary. I think I would just use it to say, I think I would still write it, but I would just say, hey, look, things were hard. I figured it out. This is what my GPA is from this point on. So they yep. don't have to do the calculation for right. you. And now right. you've given them another number to float around in their head. And that's the 3.7. Yep. And you're advocating. You're, you're taking a fact and you're using it in your favor. You're pointing out that you had a 3.7 after whatever certain point. What do you I mean, think? That, I, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I would just, I would pick, I think I would pick a point. line of de- demarcation, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And if it's starting with this spring of 2017, then that's great, but just like recalculate your GPA because your your argument needs to be this is the student you're actually getting. Yep. And I think you need to pick a if you're going to mention a drama or a crisis, I think you need to pick one. Yep. Otherwise, you just seem like you're you're like casting about for every possible excuse mm-hmm. with the coming from a different country and adjusting to a new environment, and your mom has breast cancer. I don't, it's too complicated. It's too muddy. It just looks like too many reasons. Yeah. I would say your final addendum should be only three sentences. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. But I don't see, you can just say basically I had challenges. I had this challenge, (laughs) but after this time period, I got my shit together and this is my GPA. Coming from Iran or whatever the hell it was. That's fine. That's totally, that's, everybody understands that. Of course it's hard. So you can say that, mm-hmm. but that's like one sentence. And then it's into, here's what I got going, you know, from that point forward. And that's more indicative of my promise as a student. Yep. What do you think about the very close here? No, horrible. So this is a classic yeah. example of telling as opposed yeah. to showing, I have developed mm-hmm. intellectually in the past four years, and I hope I can be afforded the opportunity to prove that I am tenacious, hardworking, and prepared for any challenge that law school will bring. They just have to take your word on it, and no one takes your word on it. And it's nothing about you. It's just life. No one cares. If I said to you, I am the best swimmer in the world, you should have me on your swim team. You'd be like, um, cool. Do you have any times? Do you have any races that you've won? <laughs> Why are you telling me that, Ben? <laughs> it doesn't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's, it's just amazing how much telling there is instead of showing. People love that they just think they need to have adjectives and adverbs and 
and like just describing themselves. No one wants to hear you describe yourself. We want to hear what you did. Yeah. You know, it's the funny thing about telling too, is it actually backfires almost always. It, it does you more harm. It's not like it's neutral. It's not like it's not helping you. It's actually hurting you. Right. So yeah, when I hear tenacious, hardworking and prepared, then I'm immediately like, oh yeah, well, why did you get shitty grades then? Yep. It's it's yeah, I'm just I don't I don't want to believe you when you're when you're just saying it. Um Okay, so there's she could I mean there's there's he, she, we don't know. He, he. um Jinx. There's there is something to work with here, but it, it needs to be tightened up and it needs to be much more factual and you need to pick a uh, pick a complaint and state it very briefly and then immediately get into what your what your the good stuff, right? I mean that's the whole point. You need to be putting your best foot forward here. Yep. So it's just recalculate. Yeah, I mean, because she does throw in the like one semester. I also don't like in the spring of 2017, I earned a 3.7 GPA. It's like, well, was that your last? Is that just your last semester or what is that? Yeah. Why are you, you're only talking about one semester? I would be, my immediately, I'm going to think, oh, well, can I see your transcript from fall of 2017? Yep. What happened then? Did it go back down? And spring of 2018? Like, where, where are we now? <laughs> you need to say from this point forward, I had a GPA of 3.63 right. or whatever. That would be better. Yeah, that would definitely be better. Did you notice that she uses the Oxford comma in some places, but not in every place? I did. Yeah, in the first sentence, you don't use it. In the last, you do. The Oxford comma is the comma that comes right before the and in a list. So red, white, and blue. You need a comma right before that and. Yeah, go ahead and use the Oxford comma. Um, and if you're a, if you're not going to use the Oxford comma, don't sometimes use the Oxford comma. <laughs> yeah, but I would say never become one of those people who don't use an Oxford comma. I don't understand. I know the argument for it. Journalists are the ones who don't use the Oxford comma, and their argument is that it is more efficient. It takes up less space to not use a comma there, but it is the stupidest argument in the world since a comma <laughs> doesn't take up hardly any space, especially today, now that we don't have monospaced fonts. Um, and the clarity that is brought by using an Oxford comma is manifold. So yeah. it's a stupid argument. Don't do what journalists do. Just do everything <laughs> else that they do because they are good writers, but not in that way. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So thanks, E, for sending that in. Uh, plenty to work with here. You just got to tighten it up. Yep. No problem. Cool. Next one. Subject, Logic Games Speed. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Feel free to use my name. I'm hoping to sit the 2019 February LSAT and apply to law schools in Melbourne. Quick question. Logic Games is by far my most accurate zero or minus one on the ones I attempt, but I only managed to finish about two games. I have been studying with the trainer for about three months, but after starting to listen to your podcast about a month ago, I have been taking timed 35 minute sections. I'm using Ben's score tracker and watch his explanations as well, which have been very helpful. 
I make about 90% of the inferences he makes, and my strategy in the game is very similar to the way Ben explains his answer. Long story short, how do I get faster? Or is it simply a matter of practicing? Best regards on it. Well, sometimes uh, when people, it sounds like Annette is watching the videos, which is good. Sometimes people don't even watch the videos, which is mistake number one. But sometimes even when people are watching the videos, uh, I find that they're not as detail-oriented as they should be. I don't know if that's the case with Annette, but she says, or he, uh, I make about 90% of the inferences he makes. Okay, Um Of the 10% that are left, are you taking note of them? Are you trying to figure out what you didn't do or what you did do that prevented you from making those last inference or inferences? Yeah, that final step frequently (laughs) saves you five minutes. Yeah, Yeah. it goes to a 14-minute game, goes to seven minutes. Just the other day I did a game, um, it's the one about the photographer's assistants. Oh, yeah. And you can do three worlds for that game, and it is over in five minutes total, the entire game. And most people spend a good 12 to 16 minutes on the game just walking around in circles. Yeah. And when you show them the two steps, really, there's two key steps that most people miss, it seems to me, at least in class. And they're like, well, wait, oh, I missed that. And they're all bummed about how they missed that. The real question, the discussion I like to have in class is like, okay, well, what did we do right before we made that inference that led to that inference? It's a small thing, but look, I put, the, I wrote this variable right next to this slot. I didn't know where it went, but I knew it had to be in one of these slots. And by writing it here, I could see that one of these was taken and that made it obvious that these other variables had to go somewhere else. And then they're like, oh yeah, okay. But how many people are not doing that little thing in their diagram that makes something so obvious, but in another case, it's not obvious. And so I think you might need to do a little more investigation and say, okay, well, what happened right before we made that inference as a class to figure out whether you're doing that, whether you're playing around with the game in your head enough, whether you're writing the rules down in the diagram enough. A lot of times people make verbal annotations of rules, which I just find mind-blowing. You need to make this as visual as possible and just think about what's it mean for the diagram, not what's it literally saying, Um, because we're not so concerned about the text. We're more concerned about the ideas behind the text. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my suggestion. And continue practicing. Yeah, lots of practice. I mean, sustained effort of just a little bit every day. I always like to beat up my own work ethic, you know. I, I don't, I'd never consider myself to be like a really hard worker. Yeah. But when when I was um, when I was prepping for the LSAT, I sucked at the logic games, and I did them every day mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, it probably was four, six weeks, something like that. But I was doing games every single day. Yeah. Like maybe an hour every single day. Mm-hmm. That adds up, you yeah. know, and. Eventually, it clicks. We get a lot of these requests, like looking for tips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but what else should I do, though? You know, and it's sort of like, um, do all that. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you have my Logic Games playbook, or you have access to you know this online class with hundreds of 
logic games explanations in there. Yeah. Um, do the games, struggle with them on your own, crash and burn, and then get some help via the videos or, or whatever it is. And then just repeat that process until you get where you're going. Yeah. Um, probably stop like worrying about time. You know, it's not about going fast mm-hmm. it, on it. There's something slightly telling here, I think, which is, um, you know, I, I logic games is by far my most accurate zero or minus one mm. mm-hmm. finishing two games. I wonder if that minus one is sometimes, you know, minus two, like missed one on this game, missed one on that game. Um, that's not good. That's, that's actually like, that's bad. Yeah. In <laughs> you games, you should know your, right. You should just literally not pick an answer until you know for sure that it's the answer. Yeah. I, I, I want you to, if you have to spend all 35 minutes working on the first game, so be it. I just don't want you to miss any of those questions. And tomorrow, you know, maybe you'll be able to go a little bit faster, but I want you to remain committed to the idea that you're just going to be getting, you're just going to be figuring them out. You just have to figure it out, do your work, figure it out, get them right. And then move on to the next game when you're done. Yep. So, um, yeah, but on it's doing a lot of good stuff. Doing your score score tracker is obviously a good plan. Thirty five minute sections is a good plan. Sounds good. Yeah. Hoping to sit the twenty nineteen February LSAT. Yeah, the, it's for some reason I totally missed that. That's far away, and it's a weird test to be shooting for since it's not going to help you with this cycle. So you must be looking to the next cycle. Waiting for the last one before the deadline. Potentially, hmm. which is a bad plan. Although I don't know anything about um, Australian law schools. That's true. So it could be definitely different in Australia, but I, I'm wondering why you're not looking at potentially a an, an earlier test. I mean, we got September and November of this year. I hope you're not just waiting to just one shot and done in February. Uh, then again, who knows? Maybe Australian law schools really do only want you to take it once. But so here's a tangent: How many people in um, Australia listen to the podcast? I wonder. I don't know. We should get some emails, though. We should. I want to go to Australia. So if you're in Australia now and you're willing to uh, let me crash at your place, um, let me know because I want to go to Australia. I've always wanted to go. I guess is it. People call it down under, right? Like it's yes. it's down there. But I want to come down there and see what it's like. That shit's super far. Although everyone there is like prisoners, right? Isn't that what it is? <laughs> prisoners and descended from prisoners, yeah. Yeah. And there's also super scary animals there. I mean, it's like the most frightening place. Okay. Well, good. There's scary, scary shit. Scary spiders and scary snakes and everything. Yeah. So I'll go there for a short time. That's the plan. <laughs> cool. Um, what do you... Th- Ooh, this next one is... We got to read this, yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe we'll wrap it up after this. Mm-hmm. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Here's a serious turd of wisdom I heard on a law school-themed podcast. Wait, there's another one out there? Get out. I've transcribed it here. So we'll call this person president because they're president of some... T- 
ass prep company. Are you are you president Ben of Strategy Prep? <laughs> no, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, people. Sorry, this is such a tangent, but people are such losers when they call themselves entrepreneurs, unless they're like Elon fucking Musk. Like, <laughs> I hate it when people do that. Like, what 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 are you? Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, get out, right? I, if anyone wants to know what I am, I just say I'm a teacher or I am, if push really comes to shove, then fine, I own a small business. But I'm not the CEO, I'm not the president, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a teacher who happens to have ownership of the company. That's funny. That, anyway. that is funny. Anyway, so this president apparently says, quote, Time can separate the scores. Everyone would score closer to each other if they were if it were an untimed exam. So the key to the exam is to put down an answer and not break the flow. <laughs> okay. This is an axiom for all standardized exams. Sticking to any one question is never smart. Rereading is not advisable unless you're going back to the passage to cross-check an answer or seeing if the answer fits semantically. When you're moving through the exam, the idea on the LSAT is that difficulty is a mystery. This, these sentences so far are a mystery. Um, <laughs> you need to, she continues, you need to keep moving because the question that lies ahead may be easier than the one you just solved. Um. There's, this is, <laughs> let's continue reading this lovely argument. There is no other exam where finishing is more important. Oh my goodness. What? Most other standardized exams are very open about where the difficult questions lie. They lie at the end. The exams are progressive. That's the ETS system used on the SAT and the GRE and those kinds of admissions tests. Admission tests. Anyways, over in the LSAC, over in the LSAC, because the test makers, among other things, want to weed out people that have assumptions because that's a bad thing for a lawyer, a lawyer should be somewhat objective and not read into things. Um, what kind of sentence? Of <laughs> they want to weed out against assumptions. Well, this was not written. This, this was transcribed. This transcribed from a podcast, yeah, fair so, enough. Yeah. But still, let's be critical. <laughs> 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 they want to weed out against assumptions, and one way to, I guess, they do it is they scramble the difficulty of the exam. Oh my wow. goodness! What vomiting commences? What is going on here? What do you say, Nathan? Um, thank you, Katie, for sending that in. That is a turd. That's a giant turd of wisdom. Um, that's uh, that's completely false. The logic games clearly get more difficult as you go deeper into the section. Uh, I can't think of a single test where game three and game four are combined are easier than game one and game two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, of course there will sometimes be a difficult game two or an easy game three or easy game four or, well, let's face it. Sometimes they're all easy. Yeah. But there's never like game one is just an absolute killer. Yeah. And 
logical reasoning. It's just come on. Are you is this? Wow, is this like really? <laughs> it's hard to tell if this is even serious because the logical reasoning, the first ten, one hundred percent of the time, the first ten are easier than the last ten. Yeah, and yeah, you can point to a question number twenty-four that's really easy, hmm. and I will then refer you to tons of question number twenty-fours that are the hardest question on the whole test. So they they get harder. They get harder as you go deeper into the section. I mean, the one place where this maybe isn't true is on reading comp. I'm not sure that the passages get harder as you get deeper into the section. Yeah. But the on the logical reasoning, it's just obviously getting harder as you go. Like There'll be one question in the first 10 that's maybe even difficult at all. Yeah. And by the time you get to 15 and beyond, there, there, there will be several difficult questions there. Yeah. And the only correct strategy is to go slowly and carefully and get the ones, get the low hanging fruit, which is in the beginning of the section. Yeah. Wow. There's no other exam where finishing is more important. Are you kidding me? Um, (laughs) Hey, so I just looked up this president's bio Uh and she says something that's funny because we were just talking about, showing rather than telling Uh but I'm afraid to quote it because this is like so searchable so maybe I won't Mm. quote it Mm. can you paraphrase it president refers to herself as the most knowledgeable LSAT instructor in the world (laughs) (laughs) Uh. oh it's possible. Maybe so. She could be the most knowledgeable LSAT instructor in the world and neither of us have ever heard of her. That's it's it's a possibility. I guess it depends on what that knowledge is referring to because it could just be of the LSAT instructors in the world, she is the most knowledgeable of them and that could be all sorts of knowledge, <laughs> scientific knowledge. <laughs> she could be knowledgeable about a lot of things, but she's not knowledgeable about the LSAT. <laughs> But of the LSAT instructors in the world, she is the most knowledgeable. She's probably more knowledgeable than me about almost everything. Yeah, but I think not you're right. the LSAT. I, I agree. <laughs> I I will ask her other questions. But anyways, um, wow. Sorry, I just had to read that. Um, happy Monday, Katie. Hmm. Oh wait, you're no. Am I reading this one? You're reading this one. I was reading this one. <sighs> That's fine. We we wrapped it up. Um, what do you think? Did we give them their money's worth? Every time. Every time. Unless uh, you're a pat- patron, then maybe you could let us know that <laughs> not we happy. haven't lived up to your monthly contribution. Yeah. Hey, uh, go to thinkinglsat.com right now and register for our class in New York City. It's going to be super fun. Um, what do you think about doing a live recording of the of the podcast as part of that class, Ben. I think that would be fun too. Yeah. So the idea is that we record the show and they can ask questions and we just answer them as we go. So that'd be cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, registration open now, July 14 and 15 in New York city. It, by the way, uh, we're going to be going over prep test 84, which Mm -hmm. I'm super excited about Yep, the test that uh, just happened yesterday. So if you happen to sit for the June LSAT and you want to review it, 
with uh, me and Ben, you can sign up for the class. If you're putting finishing touches on a retake in September, it's a perfect class for that. And even if you're just getting started, you know, you're taking the test in November or beyond, um, I'm sure we'll have all levels of people in the class. So that's July 14 and 15 in New York City, and registration is open at thinkinglset.com. That was show number 144. Thanks all y'all for listening. It's been nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.